This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. You're listening to This Day in History, a podcast dedicated to examining history from a standpoint of determining which event on any given day had the greatest impact on our lives. Now your host, Tony Hubert and Armand Kachigi. And welcome into the program, This Day in History for December the 6th here on lineupmedia.fm. My name is Tony Hubert, my co-host, my partner, my confederate, Armand Kachigian. Yes, we're a little early today, so higher energy level, hopefully. There you go. Well, for All you. Right. Before, I'm not an need... afternoon guy. No, you're not. I tend you're, to fade. You're older. You fade quickly. Yes. And then you, <laughs> All right. you get a night rebound. All right. We have a lot to go over for this day, December the 6th. We're brought to you by Amazon.com and by Audible.com, where a free audiobook is waiting for you. On a free trial. Take Just go it. to audibletrial.com slash This Day in History Podcast, and you can sign up and get your free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial. Don't miss that opportunity. Yes, if you admire our endless omniscience, by all omniscience. means. Omniscience. Yes, by all means, hook up to those two sites, and uh, you can be a polymath as we are. I'm not a polymath. Not a polymath? Are you I'm polyglot? No. Okay. No, I don't know. You're a uniglot. No. I don't want to be any type of glot. All, All right. right. Let's get into this, Armand. Let's get into this, and let's start. Uh, we've got about five big ones as we will debate which of these events on December the 6th, yeah. throughout the course of history, has affected the world we live in today the most. Yeah, we may disagree today. And I think we might disagree today. And you will be able in to- In fact, you even left one of mine out you, I, completely. I, well, I did. I'll never pur- forgive you for that. Pur- well, pff, what an oversight. No sweat off my nose. All right. You will also be able to vote online at our website. Oh, good. We have the poll question up. We put up the big ones that Armand and I debate about, and you can vote which one you think. Oh, good. Okay. And that you must do be so. new. It's I didn't brand know we had new. that. All right. This day in history. So what is the most Podcast. cataclysmic uh, event of the, the day? Is that what the vote is? Just it? whatever you think affected your life the most All right. that happened on this date. All right. You ready? Okay. Here we go. Let's go with the ones uh, that we run through before we get to the big ones. In 1790, the U.S. Congress, they uh, decided to move. They moved from New York City. A lot of people thought they moved to Washington. They did not. not. They first moved to Philadelphia. Right. They headed southwest, and then they kept heading southwest. How do you move a Congress? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I I know the uh, the president's residence, or it was called it was Number One Cherry Street in New York City. Yeah. Okay. In In New York, when the Capitol was in New York, I don't know where the Congress was, but I guess I don't know. I'll have to read up on that. That's interesting. That's a good one. In 1877, the first edition of the Washington Post was published on this date. That surprised me, Armand. (laughs) Yes, I'm surprised it's still in circulation. Yeah, well, you you might be. I'm not. Uh, (laughs) You know who owns it. We need good newspapers. Well, it used to be Helen Gurley Brown. Well, Who owns it now? Well, it's our buddies at Amazon, Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos. He bought it for $250 million. Uh, Ben Bradley, longtime editor there. I was surprised about this, though. The date. Not December the 6th, but the year, 1877. I would have assumed the Washington Post had been around a lot longer than 1877. I'll check on that. That sounds would, right. I would have guessed that the Washington Post was early as the 1830s. 
Certainly Washington had a number of newspapers, right. but the Post? Come on. In this date, uh, 1884, the Washington Monument in D.C. is completed. And it took a while for them to complete that. Yeah, well, the Civil War, and they had some problems with financing, I think. And, yes. uh, and it was supposed to be a lot taller, at least like 100 feet taller, I believe. And they they didn't think it was going some, to – somehow the design didn't seem like it was right. I don't know. I haven't read up on this in a I while. Always, but I always I, loved how, this, interesting. how the uh, marble or the, the yeah. stone – you know, you can see that line of demarcation where it just changes color yeah. slightly. And the top is aluminum, right? Isn't top. that the top? Mm-hmm. It was at the time, I think, it, it, in fact, I'm sure, it, it was the tallest structure in the world. It, it passed, it was 555 and a half feet, apparently. Yeah, it was past. It uh, passed the great. Cologne, Cologne Cathedral was the uh, the tallest. Oh, in Germany, because that had passed up the pyramid. Okay. And then, uh, then it was replaced by the Eiffel Tower. Eiffel Tower. Yeah. And that was for the World's Fair in Paris or the... 1888, I think. Yep. There you go. The uh, year 1897 saw London become the first major city in the world to host licensed taxi cabs. Yeah, and those licenses nowadays, okay. I think, what is it, about so $70,000 or I got something it, yeah, in New York? It, uh, well, to get I don't, that, I don't you know. know what it is uh, in New York, but in London, my mother and oh, I had a, had a conversation. So... The uh, one of our drivers, uh, we had a long drive because it was the day that they were changing the prime minister. That's a big uh, day. May was coming in, and, and right. out was uh, I'm uh, drawing a blank on his name. I'll get it. Yeah, not Clay. Was it uh, David Cameron? Cameron was out. So, <laughs> so a lot of the uh, a lot of that section of London w- was closed off because uh, May Obviously. had to go and see the Queen. Sure, where the queen a, says, yeah, there's a ritual, please, please form a government in my name, lot of yada, 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 and get the hell out of my house. Yeah, now. and, and right? don't feed the corgis. Right, yeah, keep the hands off the Welsh corgis. So that part of London is, is basically closed down to traffic for a couple hours. So we have to do a loop okay. south of the Thames. So it gave us a lot of time to talk to the driver. And the driver said, he studied for years. Studied? Yes, you have to know every street. Oh, okay. and, yeah, no, I read that. Yeah, you and, have, the, you have to and know. the streets right. Armand change. And they test them, obviously. They change name sometimes block to block, seemingly. Oh, so you don't get you know like Fifth Avenue or you know in New York Madison Avenue. So even with GPS, that's still it seems kind <laughs> they, of superfluous. They have you know they have that, but they have to you know because when you come up to the cab, the mm-hmm. expectation is well not let me punch it in and see if I know where it is. It's yeah. yeah, where are you going, mate? Where are you going, governor? Yeah. And you know, I'm I'm going to you know 21 Belgravia Square, and uh, you know, and be they quick need, about it. They yeah. need to know that. Or I'm going to you know 221 Baker Street. Ah, you we know, know who they, lives there. You know, you got to be quick. So they uh, the old curiosity he, shop. He buys the cab from the company. Okay, it's forty thousand pounds. Yes, about uh, I guess a pound is what is that now? Dollar ten, dollar twenty, something yeah, like that. Yeah, okay, but it's been up as upwards of a dollar fifty. It went up after Brexit. So, Brexit, but it's so coming it, back down. And you have to rebuy every seven years. Oh wow! Now, now you, what about the license or the uh, that you take the exam? That, yes. Okay, so you're okay. You're bonded then, or whatever. Yeah, and uh, you know, now do they have Uber? They're fighting it hard because Mayor, Mayor Boris Johnston it, wanted it, and the yeah, cabbies well, are I know Boris wants it. dead set against it. Now, and what I, do you think about that? I uh, In London, I will only use a cab. All right, that's fine, and that's good. But don't you think the people should have the option of using Uber? They can, but okay. it's, I, for me, in London, it's not as efficient. Because they're trying to squelch it in New York, too. I don't You're know right. if they're, you know, yeah, that's ridiculous. I, I don't like cabs in New York. Okay. I, I like, like a proper London cab. Okay. 
But it's, it's efficient. It's roomy. And you know me. I like free markets. I do. And look, unlimited I, competition. No, no qualm there. I just right. think we did Uber while we were over there. I get, you know, my no, I get it. You felt better taking a London cab, and that's great. But I didn't feel better because I'm. it's a pledge to support the London cabbies. No. It, I felt better because I think it's more efficient okay. that's because they are so highly trained. All right. That's your preference, and that's great. And the cabs are very comfortable. They're very big. Okay. Very spacious, Armand. You can get a lot of stuff into one of okay, those. Okay, but we agree, though, that Uber should be allowed at least to yeah, and it'll have ha- competition. It, it, it will okay. have to swim on its own. Absolutely. And swimming in that market, will it will be tough. And okay. competition breeds better service. Obviously. So I, I'm going to make a free marketer out of you yet. I, no, I am all for that. Okay. But I've already declared. Do I need to say it again? No, you don't. All right. Here we go. 1917 Finland. They declare their independence from Russia. Yeah, they fought a nice war yeah, they did. later on. 1930. Yeah, the Finns really kicked their asses, too, for a while there. Finns were some fighters, man. Yeah. Some fighters. We'll have to go over that. And they did so. Mannerheim uh, Tur- line. And Mannerheim, Mannerheim line. Yeah. And uh, 1940, the Winter War. 1933, the U.S. federal judge, John W. I'm sorry, John M. Wolseley. Well, he needed to make a ruling, and the ruling he needed to make was about the book Ulysses by James Joyce, and he ruled that it is not obscene. Well, it's obscenely long. I'll tell you that. I couldn't get through obscenely it. Obscenely hard to read. Yeah, he's quite a... And I'd like to know if this judge... of consciousness. I want to know if this judge ever actually read it. Yeah. Well, you know what they say. Who was it? Was it? What was the? Who was the judge that said, "I know it when I see it"? He asked him. It was a. Uh, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I know uh, the difference. The difference I'll between pornography and art. Right. Before, I know it when I see it. Right. And your answer, my answer, is is often well a staple. I'll come up with it before the end of the show. Remind me. Okay. Speaking of obscene, 1953, uh, an author, a Russian author, he completes his controversial novel Lolita. That man, Vladimir Nabokov. Yeah, Umbert. Umbert. Humbert Humbert. Humbert Humbert. The first, the uh, main character. You know Lolita's real name? He called her as Lolita. Well, he calls her Lola through the book. Well, the mother called her Lolita. Mother calls her Lola. But, uh, yeah, Dolores Hayes. Dolores Hayes. I actually had that on a trivia contest once. That is a, I got to tell you, I haven't read that book for probably 20 years. I don't envision picking it up. Just see the movie. It's good enough. Uh, With James Mason. Shelley Winters is great. and uh, Is that the Kubrick version? Yeah. Sue Lyons and uh, Peter Sellers. There you go. All right. In 1967, uh, here's a good one. Medicine. Andre Kotrovitz. Kotrovitz. He performs the first human heart transplant. Now, we just talked a couple days ago about the first artificial heart transplant. Right. The Jarvik happened. Seven. The Jarvik would happen about 15 years later in the early 80s. Well, now you do know who, who uh, performed the first of all time. It was in South Africa. Yes. Um, I guess it was the same year. It was in 67. 67. So it was Christian Bernard. Yeah. Now, this yeah. is, again. But he did, Christian Bernard did something that tops that even. Do you know what it is? Lung transplant. No. He no. screwed Gina Lola Bridget. Oh, come on That's now. right. Now, that's momentous. And you, you can, when you can do a heart transplant and bang an Italian movie star. He didn't do it at the same time. Uh, I, I, I think he took a rest okay. between, yeah. Well, anyway, Adrian, uh, Kantrovitz, first. Yeah, I've never heard of this guy. First person say. to do it in the United States. Okay, good for him. Now the United States, you know, is that because rulings by the American Medical Association prevented it from happening first, and other countries are willing to take the oh, chance? I don't know. I'm sure. I, I'd like to attribute it to sheer incompetence. 1973, uh, a 25th Amendment. The uh, is invoked. Yeah, that was a good one for this, Gerald Ford. This worked out well for Gerald Ford, whose real name was. 
He was adopted now. Yeah, he was adopted. He played at Michigan, but when he played at Michigan, he played under the name Gerald Ford. Oh, he did? Okay. I think so. Yeah, I think he adopted that This is like the John Wayne question. What's his real name? Which is Marion... Michael Morrison, yeah. Yeah. This is Leslie Lynch King. Leslie Lynch King. So when they ask you which president was a king... You say Ford. Gerald Ford. So Now, here's the Senate confirmation vote. On uh, it happened a couple days earlier, back on the twenty seventh of November, he was confirmed ninety two to three, and the House on this date voted him in three eighty seven to thirty five, making him the first vice president in U.S. history to attain office without being elected. Yep. Now, technically, he is confirmed, kind of like an election, but yeah, he is not in a general yeah. election. Well, let's hope that never happens again, but. Two more it dates, might. a couple more dates for you. Uh, 1938, we go back a little bit. The uh, Ribbentrop Bonnet Pack is signed, promising a pledge, a playground, yes. a playground pledge. You if think you think this is going to work out, we will not fight each other. Right. The two, French, we will not fight each other. The French and Germans vowed not to attack each other. That lasted about uh, 24, almost 24 a year months. and a half. Yeah. 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 That weren't that didn't really work out very well. Yeah. 1955, Joyce Brothers. What does she do? Well, she goes on a quiz show. Yeah, I'd like to go into some detail and on that one. she wins. Yeah, she won a lot of money. What show did she 000, go on? 60, the $64,000 question, and then she went on the $64,000 challenge. So she won twice. Over $100,000. for. I think she was the biggest winner for a while there. Even uh, bigger than, like, uh, Charles Van She won Van, more than Charles Van Doren. Yeah, yeah. And this was before him, because this and was 55. Was Van Doren, game? I think, was 57. Okay, but what game show was Van Doren? 21. 21. Yeah, that you was had to, rigged. You had to acquire 21 points Correct. was the game. Okay. And that was, you know, that was the movie Quiz Show, which is pretty close but has some there are some uh mistakes in that movie, but probably for dramatic license. Heck of a movie. Yeah, Herb Stemple. They're both still alive actually. Herb Stemple and um Yeah, Charles Van Dorn. Charles Van Dorn, yeah. and I think Dick Goodwin's still alive too. He worked for Lyndon Johnson. In fact, this is a trivia question. He coined the term the Great Society. Remember in the movie, he's a guy that's investigating. Yes, the game show. Yes, scandals. yeah, he comes up from Richard DC Goodwin to yeah. investigate. He yep. was on. He was one of uh, Johnson's uh, closest advisors. How about that, and he coined that term, the Great Society. Great Society. Yeah, it wasn't so great, and still isn't. But yeah. anyway, uh, Doctor Joyce Brothers. The the thing that's interesting is <laughs> the subject she won on, which okay. kind of I don't know. She denies and denies and denies that she was given any assistance. But she won on boxing. And I, I've watched the clips of this. And, boy, those were some pretty tough questions. It's her assertion that they told her boxing would be the subject, which is fine. And she just got all the information, encyclopedias, et cetera, she could. And because of her great memory, which we have to say was great, memorized everything and won all the money. So let's give her the benefit of the doubt. No scandal. Why do you think Van Dorn? She won it legit. Why do you think Van Dorn? As Dorn, I did, by the way. Yeah, you've been on these. You've been yes. on the shows. You've been uh, on. Uh, mine who, was legit. Who wants? Uh, uh, yeah, who wants to be a millionaire? Who wants to be a millionaire? What and else? Love connection. Love connection. Well, different game show. Yeah. What else have you been on? Uh, Family Feud. Yes. Um, win Ben Stein's money. Oh, I uh, love Jeopardy. Ben, I love Ben Stein. Yeah. I, I don't like his politics. Yeah, I was going to say. But you I, love I ben do, Stein. I do like Ben Stein. Okay. Okay. And you, and, and you said Jeopardy. You like Jimmy Kimmel. He was uh, on there. How'd you do on Jeopardy? Uh, that's something we'll discuss some other day. Why, it's why, too why? painful. Oh, really? Yeah. I, because the question I missed. Did you Cliff Clavin it and lose well, it Well, I bet everything on a daily double. Yes. And I missed it. Uh, we're going to pull tape of that, yeah, baby. Yeah, don't do that. It's no, too painful we're for me. pull tape of it. You're fine. So, yeah, but that's it. She won big time. And uh, Why do you think Charles Van Doren had, w- w- com- was compelled to cheat? <laughs> for the money? But he knew the answers. 
Well, I don't think so. Really? No, I don't think he did. A man answers. that intelligent wasn't no. going to win anyway. No, I don't think so. Well, there's no way they could make sure. I mean, whether would he have done well? Probably. But sure. they, they wanted to guarantee it. Exactly. Versus Stipple, right, who they 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 really got to take the dive, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that, play, that was true. Even though it wasn't quite the way they, uh, yeah. you know, they uh, the depicted it in the, the movie brow and everything. Yeah, and the questions were a little different. All these stuffs on YouTube, you can watch all of them because they had like a three-game series. And uh, you know, Marty, I think Marty was the loser. By the way, that was one of my questions. What nineteen fifty? Yeah, my two hundred picture. Yeah, well, no, the way they phrased it, mine two hundred fifty thousand. My two hundred fifty thousand dollar question was: This picture was the first uh, winner of the Palm d'Or, the Golden Palm at yeah, Con, and it was Marty. And I knew it without even the. With, I didn't even need the uh, the four yeah. choices. Yep, I didn't need the choices because I knew that. It's one of my favorites too. Yeah, well, very good. There's also yeah the first winner. Okay, and uh, in 2006, the uh, yeah, here we go. NASA they reveal that the photographs taken by the Mars Global Surveyor suggest that the presence of liquid water did in fact exist on Mars. Yeah, I think we knew that pretty much. I mean, it sublimates, you know, so it's very hard to detect it. It's underground a lot, and Mars, of course, has seasons. Um, so yeah, they've they've decided. But now now whether it's actually there's liquid water or ice. That's the, the question. But they, they do know that if – we always talk about one of us, probably you, going to Mars. Um, well, you've stated you won't go. I'm not going. Yeah, I would love to there's go. No, there's no Chicago-style pizza on Mars. I'm not going. And uh, anyway, there's that's probably enough to sustain a colony at least. That's what they want. Enough so water. Enough, yeah. 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 I mean, when you look at the scientific thing for a second, when you look at the terrain, though – Mm-hmm. It does look like the American West sometimes. Like Death Valley, it looks kinda, like yeah. look, but it does look like erosion has taken place. Now you know, they certainly do have wind. Yeah, well, there, there's not much of an atmosphere though. It's like one percent of the thickness of ours, right. so that's that's the problem. There's really no atmosphere, and it's CO two. And well, at now, a, but I'm a, talking at some point there was something. Maybe. Yeah, we doubt it. Yeah, that's the theory. Mm-hmm. All what right. boiled it off? That's that's the problem. Before we get to our big topics of the day that you can vote on on our poll question, which you can do so at thisdayinhistorypodcast.com, let me tell you, Christmas is still, uh, well, it's 19 days away from this date, December 6th. Whew. Thisdayinhistorypodcast.com. Look for the Amazon banner. Go and do your shopping. Will we be recording that day? I have to make plans. No. It's no, a Sunday no, anyway. We record Monday. We do shows Monday through Friday. But we have holidays off. And we have holidays off. And All right. You'll be fine. Just making sure. Okay. And also, we're brought to you by Audible.com, where you can get that free audiobook download. Just go to audibletrial slash thisdayinhistorypodcast.com. And whenever we have a suggestion for a book, which we do a lot on this program, we will give it to you. All right. Let's go to some of the big ones for today. You're going to have to educate me on the first one in terms of how it affected the world we live in today. Let's move all the way back to 1648, yeah. and let's go to merry old England and Pride's Purge. Yes. Well, as you know, I'm a big fan of the English and English history. Uh, put are yourself you, in 1648. Are you a big fan of Cromwell? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I am, actually. Uh, not his son so much, but uh, he had a lot to do with this. The English Civil War has been raging since 1644. The king's in prison. They've, they've, they've beaten him. The, the, the parliamentarians have won. Um, so everybody wants to the MPs, members of parliament, mm-hmm. climbing up the parliament stairs, going to their meeting. Yes. Just hold it one minute there, pal. <laughs> 
Thomas Purge, Colonel Purge, with a little help from the uh, horseman and his uh, his company, the Grand Armee, which was the new army, mm-hmm. uh, held up every parliamentarian and uh, made them swear allegiance, etc. And there were some they knew weren't, and they imprisoned about 45 of them. So that was the purge. At the time, it was called the Long Parliament. The Parliament had been in session since, I think, 1640. It had been a long, which is a long time. Yeah. That's why it was called the Long Parliament. Well, this they turned that into the Rump Parliament because there were only about, out of 507 members, a lot of them said the hell with this and didn't even show up. So it went down about 200, and that was the Rump, which... Basically, you know, from the rump of a the rump meat, yes. uh, the the the, you're, the you're beef, high, your hindquarters. Yeah, it's a remnant. Is yeah. basically what it's called. That's why they call it the rump parliament. And that was in session after this. And that was until 1660. Uh, Richard Oliver Cromwell, who they think had something to do with this too, he knew about. It. He certainly didn't oppose it, and it gave him a lot of power because he was one of the 200. And that's when he assumed it basically made England. They said we're going to be a republic now. There'll be no no king. Right. And in fact, what we're going to do is. We're going to behead the king. So just because, yeah, they just hacked his head off. This the next, is Charles early the, next year, Charles I. Charles the first. Uh, now back in that, when Cromwell died and his brother Richard, uh, his son Richard, took over, he wasn't quite the man his father was. Mm-hmm. So they said, "Well, the hell with this. Let's bring back Charles II." He came back. He dissolved the Rump Parliament, and they had a, they called it the Restoration, and the monarch. We had a monarchy again. So, but it was a republic for a while, and and it was ruled by the Senate. But more or less, I'm not the Senate, the House of uh, House of Commons. But he also dissolved the House of Lords. Thomas Pride. Yeah, he in, got in sick the, of them. In the Restoration, you know, after the Restoration, is it then a constitutional monarchy, or is it a is it back to a pure monarchy? Yeah, it's a monarchy. But I think that you know they they did uh, it was an attenuated monarchy. He gave okay. a lot of uh, he. he Gave a lot of uh, rights to people, and and the, the the House of Commons had more power, I think. Then, of course, his brother came along, James II. And he tried to take all that away. Then they had another civil glorious revolution, mm-hmm. which we'll go over sometime in 1688. Why did you choose this as one of the big effects on our life today? Is it because of the look the the early colonies well, are, are English, and this is only a hundred years prior to the American Revolution? Did this start? Did the type of thinking start to sow the seed of of self-rule? I just think it was probably the most uh, momentous event of this English Civil War, which predates ours and led to some changes. 200 years, yeah. 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 a lot of change. I thought it was very important. It is a very important day. Just my opinion. I mean, but draw the connection for me to the upcoming American Revolution 100 years later. I mean, is one possible— I'd say the the Glorious Revolution probably had more influence, but this probably— was the pre, you know, this was uh, kind of what's led to that eventually. Is the American Revolution possible without the Glorious Revolution and without the first revolution in England? Well, it, it depends. I guess probably not because there would be different su- uh, succession, et cetera. You yeah. know, we wouldn't have the Georges and, and exactly. the houses of... Uh, yeah, the chain reaction that, that could House come... House of Hanover. Yeah, the chain reaction that could come from that is pretty extraordinary. Yeah. Not just for the United States, but for other colonies around the world. Yeah, but if you want to, I mean, if you want to get a book, there's there's several good ones on the English Civil War. Oh, you can. There's no shortage. Yeah, yeah, you, plenty. We don't even need to suggest a title. Just go to Amazon or Audible and type in yeah, English, English Civil War. War, and you can have your pick of the litter. Okay, moving on to 1865. The Civil War uh, is just about over. 
No, the Civil War is over. It's December 6th, 1865. Yeah, yeah. And Lincoln has uh, been, has been gone for nearly nine months yeah, at this gone. point. And the 13th Amendment becomes ratified on this date, officially banning slavery mm-hmm. in the United States yeah, of America. Yeah, it didn't pass that easily you know the north there were a lot of people opposed to it it didn't pass the house i don't think on the first on the first uh, so there's vote. there's two good reads on this one uh one is for suggested reading read team of rivals by doris kern's good one that's yeah that's which you can find on audible or yeah, either amazon great book, yeah. and now the book is much more than the 13th amendment uh, but it's the, the the struggle, which begins in late 1864 and culminates in January of 1865, to get that vote over, and what Lincoln and his cabinet were doing to get that vote through, so that it could go to the states for ratification, uh, is an is an immensely fascinating story. You can read it there, or you can do what Spielberg did. Because Spielberg was going to make one of those long miniseries hmm. for HBO. And he's always said he was this close to doing it, just you know, an inch away from doing it. But they went with the film instead. And the film centers on just one portion of the book, which is Which is a good idea. The 13th Amendment. And yeah. the and how they got that through the house. Okay, so that's pretty pretty covers it pretty well then. Do yourself a favor. I mean, I, how that affects our lives to this day goes without saying. Um, had well, it not been accomplished in 1865, your contention is it would have been accomplished soon thereafter, or how oh, well, would have slavery ended? Well, my, all I can say is slavery ended in all, a lot of other countries without a civil war. That's all I'm saying. I'm just saying the civil war was not fought. I know, that's you, I know that's your contention, right. but my question— And I think, so, I think slavery would have ended on its own. In fact, at that point, it was waning. Would it have ended with a legislative act, though? I think it would have had to, you know, okay. but uh, it, it probably would have withered on its own because it just probably wouldn't have been economically feasible anymore. All right. Let's do some birthdays. We're halfway through our program. We always like to do birthdays at the halfway point. Yep. And we go—wow, we go way back. 1421 on this date, December the 6th, Henry— the sixth. Yep, he is born. Yep, and I I like this. Well, first of all, I like Shakespeare, and you get three parts with Henry the Sixth. There are three plays he wrote yeah. about Henry the Sixth because this guy had a life kind of chock full of uh, incident and war. Uh, basically, we've talked about at length about the Hundred Years' War, which lasted. 116 years? 116 years. All right, fine. We finally drilled that one into your head. Uh, Henry lost it. That was that was about the end. In fact, by the time Henry was done, all that England had left was Calais. That was the only part of France that was still England's. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Joan of Arc and her her uh, minions kicked the hell out of him. So he lost just about everything Henry V won. Um, Is this why you don't like the French? Uh, I, I don't have any problem with the French. Okay. I, yeah, I do. I don't, I don't know. I just don't like their language. So anyway, he he lost all that. Then he then he had his own problems back at home. Now we get now we're out of the wars. We're out of the Hundred Years' War. Now we're into the Wars of the Roses, which we've discussed. He's fighting the Duke of York and um, Edward the Fourth. There's a battle at Towton, which he lost. He was put in the tower. This is Henry the Sixth. They put him in the tower. Now his wife actually had more balls than he did. He wasn't that much of a warrior, but his wife, Margaret of Anjou. She didn't put up with that stuff. So while he's in the tower, she finds Richard Neville, who is the kingmaker, Earl of Warwick. Interesting guy. When his birthday comes around, I got a lot to say about him. Anyway, she got him. She enlisted him. They got him out of the tower. He starts fighting again. He, in fact, they made him king again. How did she get him out of the tower? Uh, 
they rescued him, you know, or the Earl of Warwick and et cetera. They, they had a, they had a, um, they fought again okay. and they won. They beat Edward the fourth and they, they released him. So he's King again for six months. Seems and like they should fight. Seems like they should have offed him when they yeah. had the chance. Read the play. And then, uh, then he was defeated again at, uh, oh, uh, the battle of, uh, Barrett, the battle of Barrett, uh, what Barnett. Battle of Barnett was where Richard Neville was killed, mm-hmm. and that was the end of pretty much of Edward uh, Henry the Sixth because he wasn't that great and able of a soldier. And uh, finally, Edward the Fourth won again, put him in the tower, and this time he died of melancholy. Melancholy, which, yeah. But somebody bashed his head in, yeah, yeah, because they dug him up, and yeah, his, his cranium was cr- uh, crushed. Yeah, well, melancholy so anyway, will do that to you. Anyway, read the Shakespeare plays. I'm sure those are on. Or he Amazon. got hit by a club named Melancholy. Yeah, he was. <laughs> yes, he was melancholy after that. You know, the War of the Roses still exists today. Did you know that? Uh, how and how so? So when Leeds United plays Manchester oh, United, okay. that is referred to as the War of the Roses Derby. Okay. Derby. It's a Derby. Derby, yes, yes, of course. Okay. 1642, birthday, Johann Christoph Bach. Okay. Not one of my favorites. You don't but... like the organ. Yeah, yeah. His Johann Sebastian was okay. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, but many... the German organ. This is big. I mean, I know Johann Sebastian is. I'm not an organ. Yeah. I love the I love the German organ sound. Okay. Love it. 1886. I think I shall never see. Yeah, uh, a poem lovely as a tree. Yeah. Joyce Kilmer. Yeah, right before he got shot in the head. Is born in 1886. You know, yeah. he was actually with Wild Bill Donovan. No, I did not. He know was that. an intelligence officer. Yeah, he was an. He, so Wild Bill Donovan is a precursor to the CIA. Right, He's he was the head OSS. of the OSS. Yeah, yeah, and right. that he is a fascinating character. Yeah, he was I, there when he got shot. We will talk about him when his day. See rolls the movie, around. The Fighting 69th, with yeah. James Cagney. Do you have you seen any films in the last twenty years? No, jeez, I don't want to. All right, well, so Joyce Kilmer, which most grade school students, uh, I hope they still memorize the poem. Yeah, uh, they also think that's a lady. It's not. Uh, American soldier, author, poet. This date, December sixth, eighteen eighty six. Eighteen ninety six. I'm curious to get your take here. The American songwriter. Ira Gershwin. Yeah, great lyricist. Yeah. Great lyricist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like right. Ira. Ni- Nineteen oh three. One of the best ball players ever. He doesn't get his due today because he's overshadowed by his teammates. Played on the best team, so they say in yeah. Major League Baseball history. The nineteen twenty seven Yankees, and that's infielder Tony Lazari. Yeah, push him up. <laughs> that's what he called him. Push him up, Tony. Uh, and can you name the? We've gone over this. The Murderers Row. Don't screw it up. Combs Lazari. Musel, Ruth, Garrick. Right, that's it. That's five. You that's can the put, five. You can put, yeah, five. Tip, typically, those are the five. What about Bill Dickey? Uh, he's not one of them. And uh, the other guy, uh, Mark Koenig, he's King. sometimes yeah. okay. Okay. In nineteen oh eight, I love this one because he had a short life, but it was impactful. This guy had some balls. Let me tell he you, he did. Baby face Nelson. Yeah, don't let him catch you. Is born. Don't, don't let him catch you some of the that. great uh, the the book. Let me think of okay. I need to look this one up. The book is Public Enemies, and I want to make sure okay. I get the. Uh, I want to make sure I get the author correct because right. this author Armand also wrote books like Barbarians at the Gate. Oh, okay, okay, and, and other. Well, and his I real wanna, name is Lester Gillis. By yeah, the way, we'll go into some detail on this guy. He he still has a record for most FBI agents killed. He got three of them. He bet including Herman Hollis, who who allegedly is a guy that shot Dillinger. 
Uh, Lester, Lester was kind of a pretty successful bank robber on his own. He hooked up with Dillinger. They had a big shootout in Little Bohemia up in Wisconsin when the FBI screwed that one up because they, they had him dead to rights. Um, Dillinger was killed at the Biograph Theater, and then they got Pretty Boy Floyd, and then Babyface got to be public enemy number one, which is, you know, if you're going to be a criminal, you should aspire to great heights. Yeah, get up there. He made it. So and his wife was no bargain either. She was pretty rough, too. So a lot of uh, a lot of guys my age know Babyface Nelson from the film Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Yeah, you mentioned that where he does uh, a, the character does a, a sort of a cameo right on it and uh, but the book that's really worth the read which which centers on Babyface Nelson and and, and uh, Dillinger Dillinger specifically yeah. Is Public Enemies by Brian Burrow. Is that the one they based the movie on? They based the movie the on movie the, wasn't the movie. The movie was a little shaky. Yeah, it wasn't accurate the at all. The book is excellent. That's better. And yeah, it really goes into and, and the because it's subtitled is is dead on the many. America's greatest crime wave, nineteen thirty three to nineteen thirty four, and the birth of the FBI. Right. And it goes into some detail about how things were staged to make J. Edgar Hoover even look good. Oh, okay. Like some of the arrest he yeah, no. Yeah, no, Purvis he, was. He's hiding around the corner while the while yeah, the yeah, real Purvis, men, the m- right. men are doing the work. Yeah, but he took uh, Babyface took nine slugs. Battle of Barrington, um, car chase between him and the FBI. He knocked off a couple of FBI agents. They finally got him with nine nine slugs, put him away. That was it for Babyface. Oh. But his wife was sometimes called the first woman public enemy number one. She was just as bad, yeah. Oh, can you imagine Robin Banks back in the day? Yeah, well, Babyface did. Oh. He, he he never spared the lead either, let me tell you. Dillinger was a little bit more, apparently, he was more, you know, let the farmers keep their money, and, uh, you know, he thought, he more, thought himself, thought well, himself more as a Robin Hood. Yeah, he was. Babyface a... had no such high, uh, yeah. you know, he had no such morality. Well, I mean, he, he even, just went in there firing away. Even the... Uh... Even the escape from the jail in Indiana by Dillinger. Yeah. You know, he does so with a wooden gun. Yeah, that's maybe a, apocryphal. It could from be. what I've read, Babyface slipped him a gun. They, they apparently, uh, um, yeah, Babyface and Van Meter and a couple of the other guys uh, bribed a guard and got the gun in there. But that, that makes for better. But the one thing that I always thought captured the Americans' public, you know, sort of the, about Dillinger is, you know, he's flowing back in from Arizona and yeah. they got him there. Crown Point, and, Indiana. Crown yeah. Point, and. They want to take a picture, and he just puts that arm up on the shoulder of the officer, mm-hmm. and it just looks like two guys hanging yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, he was buddies with everybody. He was a friendly guy, you, you know? know. And and you know, his, his he had common roots. Well, they all had common roots. Yeah, I mean, but this guy was this guy was a bloodthirsty savage. I mean, he, he, he yeah he uh, yeah, yeah he was psych- like and psychopath. Bonnie and Clyde were kind of like that too. Yeah, they were just yeah, they're out of control. Also, born on this date. Another it's guy funny. kind of out of control. Uh, who? If you're thinking of who I'm thinking, well, I went all the way to 41, but. 1941. Yeah. The Sillier. Well, sorry, he was a mass murderer. Mass murderer yeah. Richard Speck. Yeah, he just kind of lost it, too. Interesting thing about this guy, you know, it was, it was in 66, I believe. He broke into this uh, uh, building in um, Chicago, which was like a dormitory for uh, nurses. Found eight of them in there. Well, there were nine. I think he lost count, which saved one of their lives because he was, according to him, drunk and stoned and killed one by one. All eight, he tied them all up and then one by one stabbed and or and or strangled them. And one of them, uh, Aquino, I think her name was, a Filipino uh, nurse, hid under the bed. And for her, fortunately for her, because she was tied up, 
he forgot about her and he, and he, he left and oh. they caught him. And the thing about him was they were trying to say that he was one of those XYYs, you know, because there's been that study. There have been several studies. And at that time, it was a big um, criminal uh, kind of sociological criminal study that guys with XYY are more violent, more prone to violence, and more prone to uh, mayhem, et cetera. And they were trying to get him off on that, or at least get some kind of amelioration of his of his uh, sentence. But Be- Because of his genetic makeup? Right. But first yeah. of all, he wasn't XYY. They tested him. And what was he? XY. Just, just like everybody just else. Just like every other, man, other every other man. Right. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, anyway, they, they he didn't get the death sentence because they uh, ruled it unconstitutional in Illinois. But he did, or I think nationally, I guess it was ruled. Remember, for a while there, it was unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they gave him four hundred to twelve hundred years. He, he's he's dead, so yeah, he no. didn't have to serve all that. No, he served his life. But so there you go. There you go. Uh, Nineteen twenty, born on this date. We went over this guy, and he just, just died. The other day, yeah, yeah. He j- he died one day after his birthday. Okay, that's Dave, right. It was yesterday. Dave Brubeck. Uh, and we played take a little five, of Take yeah. Five, one of our favorites. 1945, American ball player manager Larry Boa is born. He's still around. He is. And in 1953, uh, an actor that I really like and never see him anymore, uh, Tom Hulse, who starred oh. in Animal House yeah, Pinto. as Pinto. Uh, but his best turn ever was as Wolfgang Amadeus yes, Mozart. we discussed Mozart yesterday. 1967, Judd Apatow is born, the mm-hmm. American director. You ever watch any of his films? No. I think I have. I think I've Which read some ones? of his scripts. Which I don't ones? know, but I know I've read some have of his scripts. Have you watched 20... Have you... Knocked Up. Have you seen Knocked Up? No. Okay. I think he's got Go other... do yourself a favor. Okay. Watch some films by Judd, would you? Okay. They're very... They're very he does comedy. You'll, you'll like them. Here's another guy that's kind of out of control. Though. 1992. Boy, he's young. Johnny Football, the yeah, quarterback for nuts. Texas A&M. Johnny Manziel is born. He became the first freshman to ever win the Heisman yeah, he's, Trophy. He's living it up, but I don't know. I don't think... Uh... He's going to burn out quickly the way he's living. All right, back to the things that affect our lives the most to this date. Uh, two more that Armand and I had circled. On this date, Theodore Roosevelt in yeah. 1904, he articulates the corollary. <sighs> As if cor- the Monroe Doctrine wasn't enough. Stating yeah. that the U.S. would intervene in the Western Hemisphere should Latin American governments prove incapable or unstable. Yeah, which gives you a lot of latitude over here. But basically, here again, we were talking about, for instance, um, basically like the Dominican Republic. They were in debt up to their asses. They owed money. The Europeans wanted to collect. He interceded in 1904. Went down to the customs, took the money himself, basically, and said, "We'll pay it back." You know, which we didn't. Yeah, and things like that. He he was all Teddy Roosevelt. Well, read Theodore Rex. There's a there's well, a book. There's you can a whole read. there's a whole yeah, series. There's several of them you can read on him. It's, it, it's Edmund Morris is the author. You know, you and would really think that this this guy. Really I have all did, three of them. They're okay. great books. Well, this guy really did transform the president into what he considered to be a king, basically, and a lot of the power that we've uh, bestowed upon the president, or that he's just basically arrogated to himself, and it's over the years. But you got to admire. It's not what the founding fathers I thought the president not, should do. I know it's not, but you got to admire his swagger. Yeah, I mean, I, as as a man, I yeah, I, because the guy was a he was a very sickly child, but he worked himself into great shape and did a lot of things. You know that uh, you had you these thick seen, glasses. Yeah, and, have you ever you know, seen the picture? Tough of, guy. Uh, I want to say it's the picture of Lincoln's um, hearse being moved down Broadway. Okay, and um, in a window of a building. There's two small children. 
Yeah, he was there, right? And he is one of those small. He, Teddy witnessed. Roosevelt is Correct. one of those small children watching the. the I haven't seen the picture, but I've read. You know, I read his oh. biography. He was there. I know that. And he's also a noted ornithologist. Yeah, yeah. Well, he. Yeah, yeah, and a hunter. You know, he he. You know, he liked to look at birds and like to shoot things and, and they, safaris and you know he was a real man's man. And, but he would go out and stay long stretches in Yosemite. I'll tell you what, don't read hiking. his book about the uh, War of eighteen twelve Navy. I mean that that that's hard to get through. I read his, I read that book. I tried. You um, think it was true that his library had over ten thousand books? Probably he wrote a hundred himself. Yeah. So you know, here again, and then the, the, I also admire Franklin Roosevelt because the guy had polio, and he you know he tried to he walked all over. He was in terrible pain, and he never wanted anybody to see him. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, these guys did not uh, give in to their weakness. You know, don't get me started on you know the current lack of manhood we have. But uh, this guy. I just don't like what he did to the presidency. His idea of what the president was and mine and what the founding fathers thought. The uh, limited president. powers. Yeah, yeah no. very different. Teddy wasn't having it. Yeah. Okay, last one, as it affects the world we live in today. And this is an interesting one you chose. We go to 1998. We go to Venezuela. Yeah. Hugo Chavez becomes the president. He wins the elections in <laughs> yes. Venezuela. and uh, He actually had... Quite, and he did. They were legitimate at this time. I mean, he actually, even though he did try to overthrow the government in 92 and fail and got thrown, he got tossed in the clink. He did win the election. He was pretty popular, actually. And then he went all socialist on us. Uh, Anti-American, nationalized everything. And, and this, is, this is a signal uh, example of what happens when you have a really socialist or socialistic government. And you can see he died of cancer, and uh, you know I'm not shedding any tears over that. Why didn't you, Why didn't he go to Cuba for treatment? He did. He did. That's go where to he Cuba had surgery. For sure. No. Of course. There you go. Four times. Four surgeries. All all in Cuba. Um, and uh, he died anyway. Uh, and now we have his pre- his um, not his predecessor, his successor, um, Maduro. This guy is just as bad, even worse. Now they have these huge long lines. They have shortages. You name it. They he nationalized everything. Their oil industry is kaput. And Venezuela is just, I think they're ripe for revolution anytime inflation is just out of control. In fact, their money means nothing. Their, their money is actually valueless. You know, it's all black market stuff. There's nothing to buy anyway. The only thing coming from Venezuela to the United States of note is baseball players. Yeah. Thank God they have them. We have some great, they do have some great ball players. But uh, this but that guy should be really a, screwed up that country. Venezuela should be a country oh. way, way, uh, just, sure, just, just natural ba- resources. Just based on, on natural resources mm-hmm. and geography alone. Yeah. It's a beautiful country. Should be way worse. It was way ahead of the rest of South America. Absolutely. Except maybe Brazil and Argentina. It was up there with them, though. It was. It was and comparable. Before it, this guy. But now, I mean, this is a this is almost the definition of a third world nation now. It's, yeah. Or certainly a nation. one of the worst. Or it, certainly a nation yeah. that caught Dutch disease from the oil Plus, industry. crime is rampant. I think they're second in the world in uh, more t- uh, murder, murder rate. So there you go. That's yeah, what happened. Yeah, Caracas, I got one to add. Caracas is not a great city. No, I don't, I don't go, I don't, go I don't, there. I hope I never have to go there. I've got one to add. I, I'm kind of a little surprised for you since we always like we like to have a Hollywood moment. Yeah, yeah. In this on this date, 1994, the Maltese Falcon, which we all know is there really was no Maltese Falcon. That was all made up. But the the prop yes in the movie was sold for three hundred ninety eight thousand dollars. What was the prop made out of? 
I think it was uh, well, there were there were several. There were like three. One was I think they're made out of lead. It was pretty damn heavy. Oh, okay. Uh, I think they're made out of lead, but then they had other ones. Bogart dropped one and bent it, so they had to use another <laughs> one. Yeah. So, uh, but this is it was later. That was three ninety eight. That was actually a good deal because they sold one for one's worth four million dollars in two thousand thirteen. I think it's the fourth. I think uh, the Austin Martin, the Aston Martin from Goldfinger's number one. Okay. Uh, Marilyn's dress. I think from Seven Year Rich. Uh, yeah, I think that's or, uh, I think that's the white dress that she wore. The subway style yeah, dress. I think that's up there. Okay. The ruby slippers. Yes. Yes. Those are Dorothy's three, ruby I slippers. And this one's up. Oh, I think the lightsaber. No, that's fifth. This is fourth. There was a prop I tried to buy um, for my wife. Uh, Phantom of the Opera. They have this uh, little uh, you know, monkey that claps with yeah. the symbols. Yeah, yeah. And I actually got a hold of the stage manager and said, "Is it possible?" To buy one of those, I'm sure you have extras, you know. What do you say? No. No. Okay. I would have thought so. Sure. <laughs> anyway, I want to bring up this movie. I mean, this one Well, the seen. stuff that dreams are made of, Armand. Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to bring up, and here we go. That is actually, I think that's ranked number. I look, I wrote it down. Number 14 on the- uh, a- that AFI? One, yeah, of famous movie quotes. A couple things about that. It's based on The Tempest. The actual line spoken by Prospero is, we are such stuff as dreams are made on- Made on. And our little life is rounded by a sleep. And that is not the last line of the movie. Oh, after, no, no. After he says that, Ward Bond goes, huh? That's the last <laughs> line of the movie. So, yeah. So that's that's not the last line. And it's also the uh, premiere, the the uh, first uh, uh, appearance of Sidney Greenstreet, one of my favorite actors, the fat man, Casper Gutman. Well, I, I, it is my contention, okay, that that crew. The cast? Yeah. Greenstreet. Greenstreet. Aster, yeah. right? Uh, Bogart, Peter Lorre, Peter Lorre, Alicia Cook, um, the Gunsel. But but basically the the males, Lorre, yeah, Bogart, and um, who am I missing? Peter Lorre, Peter Lorre, Street, and Alicia Cook and Humphrey Bogart. If you think about it, that's who Spielberg is basing Raiders of the Lost Ark on. Okay, I'll think okay. about that. Yeah, Bogart is Harrison Ford. Got it. Why? Okay. Obviously, Sydney Greenstreet is the is the partner. In uh, in Cairo, who helps him? Oh, through. okay, got it, got it. Okay. And Peter Lorre is the German Nazi wearing the dark overcoat who gets his hand burned. Yeah. If you had to cast okay. Raiders of the Lark, Lost Ark, circa 1938, that would have been the cast because he always said this was a move. Uh, this was an afternoon matinee B movie. Right. That's what it was. Yeah, like the serials. Exactly. Uh, but you know, we also influenced another character, not Spielberg, but Lucas, Job of the Hut. Sydney? Yeah. Really? Yeah, he kind of wanted him, you know, sitting there. Like, well, Sydney, Sydney is about 360 pounds. Yeah, he's a big guy. They huh? actually had to have special chairs made for him and everything. Yeah, they, had to, they had to import a lot because none of the stuff they had uh, would, would accommodate this guy. He was too so, big. So he and Bogey are in Falcon together. Yeah. And then they're in Casablanca together. Correct. Is, what, is there another notable film that they're together in? Green Street and Bogart? Yeah. Uh, they made Dark pa- not Dark Passage. Um, not they made dark. another one where uh, Bogart kills his wife, uh, and and Green Street's actually the doctor that catches him. I mm. forget what that one's called. Uh, it's a one word title. Deception. I think yeah, I'm not sure. And they they did make another one. I can think of three. They were also. Uh, I think they were also in Passage to Marseille. I know Peter Lorre was in that. I don't know if Green Street was. He but he and Peter Lorre made ten movies together. Sydney Green Street. Uh, because during the war, you know, a lot of the big stars were fighting the war. So Warner Brothers had these second, they would, you would call them B 
rated at because they're not the guys that really put the butts in the seat. Right. They're character actors. They're character actors. So they made several with uh, Green Street. And uh, there's a great book. Maybe Amazon has it. Uh, Masters of Menace. Masters of Menace. Yeah, the films of Sidney Green Street and Peter Lorre. I have that book. It's a great book. Um, anyway, another thing, George Raft turned down that part because he didn't trust John Huston. It was John Huston's first directorial uh, effort, and he didn't want to. He didn't want to put his career. And as usual, Raft was wrong, and it cost him again. <laughs> yeah, he just made the worst. That poor guy made the worst career decisions of anybody in Hollywood, probably. And Bogart always. You know, profited from it. Amazon.com does indeed have that book, Masters of Menace, Green Street and Lori, published in 1979. Author Ted Sennett. Good, you can get good a, book. You can get a paperback edition on Amazon for seven uh, bucks. And, That's uh, not bad. Not bad I think at I all. I paid more than that. In fact, you can get a new edition for 45 bucks. Yeah, but I, you paid, get, you, I paid. I bought a new and I you paid. Get, you can get used editions for under $8. And all you need to do is go to thisdayinhistorypodcast.com, hit the Amazon banner, and go shopping. Just one more thing about uh, that movie. We're since you did mention her, Mary Astor. Yeah, Mary Astor. like the femme fatale. Love yes. this gal. Yes. She wrote The Purple Diary. You know, she, in 1936, she was under. She was going uh, through a divorce. There was a child, big child custody battle. Got very rancorous. And she whipped out, the, the husband whipped out the diary of hers. And she slept with just about everybody in Hollywood. It was good all in there. Good for her. Yeah. And she did, she made no bones about it. In fact, she was rating these guys on how good they were in well, bed. She's an early raider. Yeah. Rater. Yeah. Not raider. Rating. Yeah. So, but anyway. Anyway, here's her here's her quote about life living the life of a Hollywood actress. There are five stages. Uh, get get me Mary. Uh, first stage, who's Mary Astor? Then get me Mary Astor. Then get me a Mary Astor type. Then get me a young Mary Astor. Then who's who's Mary Astor? Isn't that great? That's a great. That's her quote. Who's Mary yeah. Astor? That's five and that's great stuff. Okay, we wrap up as we do every edition of this show with who died on this date in history. Uh, oh, oh, can I add one more? This is a trivia thing. It's very quick. Very quick. 1939, Neil Kinnock wins the Heisman Trophy. Why is that significant? There is only one, one stadium in college football named after a Heisman Trophy winner. Oh, can you it, guess it? Yes, I know it. Well, there you go. I know it. It's in Iowa City. It's right. where the Iowa... Hawkeyes play Kinnick Kinnick Stadium. Stadium. There you go. So that's your trivia question for today. In uh, I I like this one. 1776. Our deaths. Benedictus Buns. Why do I? Why do I mention him? I have no idea. That's a hell of a name, Armand. Anybody with the name Benedictus Buns needs to be on this show. Needs to be mentioned. All right. In 1778, Jean Gay Lussac. he passes away. French chemist uh, Lussac's law basically relates uh, pressure and temperature. It's part of the ideal gas law. PV equals NRT. Pressure times volume equals uh, molarity. uh, The moles times the uh, ideal gas constant and temperature. Gay-Lussac. In 1889, the first president of the Confederate first States only, of America. Yes. He passes away. And Jeff- we do know who's fa- who his father-in-law was. Another president. Zachary Taylor. Zachary Taylor. Yep. You're, no, sorry, missed it. Go. 1889, Jefferson Davis. He dies on this date, December 6th. Uh, 1892, the death of Werner von Siemens, the German engineer and businessman. He, he just bought them out. Now, Siemens, yeah. that is a company right. that strongly affects the world we live in well, GE today. Well, bought, bought them out. Their stock went down a little bit, but I'm doing okay. You're doing oh, well. Thank goodness. Yes. Uh, this this show would be terminated. But uh, where would Siemens? Where would the world be without 
the German engineering that Siemens provided. Yeah, it's a big company. It is a it's huge. Their, it's their GE, basically, I guess yeah. you'd call it. In 1951, Harold Ross passes away. Yeah, this guy was the editor and founder of The New Yorker. Uh, he had his buddies. He was in the Algonquin Roundtable, which we have to do a, a probably a whole, a whole day on that one. But anyway, his buddies there, Thurber and all those guys, Wolcott, and all, they all contributed. Very hardworking guy. And he uh, he made the New Yorker what it was. It no sex, no double entendres. Checked everything for that kind of thing. Yeah. Didn't like any of that stuff. And he didn't want any of that social conscience stuff. Really? Yep. Didn't want any of that well, stuff. He'd be disappointed today. Then. I know. Yeah. Feel like Andy Bo- the, 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 the satirist there now, Andy Borovitz, I love I love yeah, but I mean, if you get now those books, you should probably get too. Those New Yorker, uh, you know, those compilations. Yeah, 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 there's several of them. Get those on Amazon. In 1955, on this date, Honus Wagner, the great shortstop manager, he passes away. And in 1985, Burley Grimes, another great ball player. Yeah, and what a great name, Burley Grimes. Grimes. That's just an awesome. Played for the Cardinals when they won 31. Oh, the 31 series over mm-hmm. the Athletics? Yeah, he's yeah. a pitcher. Pitcher okay. for the Cardinals. Yeah, I did not know. I, if I knew that, I forgot it. In Last spitballer, too, by the way, I think, in the National last, League. What, he yeah. was the last guy who could throw legal? Yeah, mm-hmm. he was grandfathered in. How about, okay, last 1988, spitballer. Roy Orbison passes away, uh, which is unfortunate because for my generation, you know, just 10 years younger than yours, Armand. <laughs> yes. We were becoming to know Roy Orbison because of two reasons. One, Van Halen's cover of Pretty Woman. Yeah, okay. That was him. Two, he was a member of the Traveling Wilburys. That's right. Which was getting a lot of play on MTV in the mid 1980s, and you know, Traveling Wilburys yeah. Volume One, and then of course their second album, Armon. Oh, don't don't ask me. Volume Three. <laughs> What a stupid... That's great. That's crazy. He's only 52, huh? Yes. Wow, uh, that, poor guy. Yeah, too young. Uh, here's one I wanted to <laughs> ask. I'm surprised at this one. But... I wanted to ask you about yeah. this one. 1993, um, for, for guys my age, he became famous because of two movies, Cocoon, but more specifically, Trading Places. Yeah, well, he yeah, and, and he was more famous in 1940 for playing Alexander Graham Bell. Yeah, but this is Don Amici. Don Amici, yeah. And I want to say he was also big one was Moon Over Miami. He was in that. Yeah, that was Betty Grable. Yeah, yeah. St. Louis and Betty Grable. Yeah. Um, and uh, this guy, I think, is probably the most, if you want to talk about the most influential to this day, I think you got to put Pete Rozelle in there. So on this date in 1996, and I will talk about Pete Rozelle at length, um, having worked in the media business and uh, covered NFL teams, um, one of the disciples of Pete Rozelle was the PR director for the football team in St. Louis, mm-hmm. St. Louis Rams. So there... Uh, the NFL is very, very family-oriented. They have what's called sort of family trees. Okay. And on the Roselle tree was Rams director Rick Smith. Okay. Now, modern PR, public relations, and the control of information was all designed by Pete Roselle. I know. He's a very innovative guy. Now, innovations are one thing, but you got to talk from the PR angle first before you get to Roselle, the commissioner. Yeah. His ability as a PR man is really what started the NFL on the track to greatness. Then, as he ascended to commissioner of the league, and the fact that he had on PR staffs throughout the league, guys underneath that had worked with him or for him, mm-hmm. um, they were able to get their message across probably better than any industry because they just simply knew if we control access, we can control the message. 
And in the NFL, it was always, you know, if you asked for something, the answer was never yes right away. The answer was, we'll see. That sounds like Hollywood there. Okay, we'll see. And then they would come back and say, eh, it's not looking so good. Then they'd come back and say, yeah, okay, we, we man- we've managed to do this for you. And suddenly you're ingratiated to them mm. for doing your job. That's right, yeah. You and owe them. There's subtle things that come from the Roselle School that I think have permeated a whole bunch of factors in American business. Because, you know... It's 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 a very it's a very subtle technique, but the NFL pulls it off better than well, anyone it's genius, else. Genius, I guess, because he and transformed it he, into what it is today. He started this back in the nineteen early nineteen sixties. Yeah, and, and what he was able to do, and, and the just the revenue monster that he created is amazing. Yeah, well, he initiated I think that revenue sharing, the the uh, with the TV deals, those were his, you know, those were his babies. Well, he he turned an American a strictly the an, merger. an American enterprise, he turned it into a socialistic yeah. type of deal. And I'd say he's probably called the father of the Super Bowl too, I think is that's his I think that goes to the merger. Well, yeah, I think Lamar Hunt gets well, I think he a lot of name. credit for the name. That was the name, yeah. Um but this guy is a guy that, you know. Yeah, and he recognized early on he recognized the value of TV. Yeah, yeah, and he, he got and he got it over to his yeah. he, he got it over to his ownership. He also got over the fact about limited limited uh, offering. Mm. Do not you know one of the problems baseball has always had is well I don't need to go today there's game tomorrow. The NFL that's not the case. You know you you, you make exclusivity and you limit the amount of product, and that shifts things up. Well, I remember the, the good old days where if the game wasn't sold out. Oh, you're blacked out. Right, exactly. And I don't think that applies anymore. I, I guess you instance, can't now. Here is a league that until 1970 only played on Sunday. Yeah, that Monday Night Football was his baby too. But that, he, that recognized, was his idea. Yeah. he recognized the beachhead there. Yeah, that was and, a great one. And in the age of only three over-the-air national channels, yeah. huge win. Absolutely a huge win. I mean, Destination TV. He and Al Davis didn't get along too good. They did not, but Al Davis also was innovative. Yeah. And and pushed and pushed the envelope. But I, the impact Roselle. Well, um, that's why. Yeah, and, and, that's and, why we're and, mentioning and him again, today. The gentleman. Length. I'm still friends with him, and uh, and he lives in San Diego. Rick Smith. And I mean, I learned so much about how to conduct. Okay. Public I relations. I changed my mind. Pete Roselle's more important than Henry the Sixth. I, I really did. You I learned so much. And he's one degree of separation, you know, uh, from – well, no, I'm one degree of separation from Roselle, knowing this guy and having worked alongside and, and yeah. with him for five to six years. I could see years. the admiration in your eyes. Well, so. it, it really was an education, especially when he'd sit down and tell old stories, you know, about – about the NFL circa yeah. early 60s, yeah. the merger, and, and then the, the meteoric rise in the 1970s. 20 years ago. Rest in peace. Yeah, That's yeah. It. he was a huge one. That'll do it for our edition today, December 6th. Thank you for tuning in to this Day in History podcast. And when, don't forget, subscribe on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Podbean, any major podcast outlet. Leave us a five-star review. Coming up tomorrow, Armand, it's December 7th. Ah, nothing significant happened nothing on that day. Nothing significant goes down on that day. And we will only be talking about the events of Pearl Harbor on our next edition of This Day in History. Coming at you tomorrow, December the 7th, when it rolls around here on lineupmedia.fm.
This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 